This podcast replay, it's brought to you by Nature B. Hey, it's Big O. Over the last 20 years, I rarely ever get a cold because I've boosted my immune system every single day with two capsules. Improved digestion, stronger nails, fuller hair. Order at naturebee.com. Use my code Big O for free shipping. Naturebee.com. We locked and loaded. There he is. How you feeling, big man? You feeling good? I am feeling great today. Thanks for having me on, Big O. Oh, man, it's uh, always a pleasure. I was uh, talking earlier. I go, you know, Keith and I usually, when we're going back and forth, it's never really football. We're <laughs> really, <laughs> rarely are ever talking football. Here, this will be all about football. It will definitely not be a lot about the conversation we had last night. But uh, anyway, good. yes, yeah, definitely. Uh, let's, uh, let's get into it. Uh, first of all, um, your thoughts on everything that just went by? Uh, with Tua and McDaniel in his first year. What, what what are your thoughts as an offensive guy and watching everything? Well, it was definitely an exciting year offensively for the Miami Dolphins. It was great to see them be able to score points almost at will, particularly the first half or first three quarters of the season. But as we know, the NFL catches up to every new type of offense and you saw basically probably at that san diego game the nfl defense or maybe san francisco those defense began to adjust and figure out how to slow down the dolphin offense so i think that's something daniel's gonna have to learn as a head coach when the nfl adjusts what's your counter move to their counter move and i think we'll see that this season so it was exciting for for me and my family to see the dolphins back in the playoffs i'm definitely excited about this team offensively future wise and even now defensively wise i think it's gonna be a team to reckon with moving forward what they were missing they had they had the right to knock your ass out right but they mm-hmm. didn't have the jab yeah. throughout the Higher 12 ring 12 12 round fighter. You and I grew up with 15 round <laughs> yes. fights, but they, they didn't have that, and that's the running game. Yeah. And if that's something that comes from the Shanahan tree where he came from, and when I look at Purdy, he can always hand it off or mm-hmm. dump it off to, to Christian. And there yeah. was those those chunk plays, those yards that he that would make his life and John Elway's life, he can hand it off to Terrell Davis for two great years and stuff like that. And to me, that's what I saw. I saw that element missing that I think that's what Tua needs to kind of take it over the top. And Mike McDaniel as a play caller, Mm -hmm. I thought that that was that, you know, they bunched up the middle of the field to try to cloud up the, the running lanes. Well, how do you take that out of the way? Bring those linebackers in and run on their own. But we all know element that there was missing. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, we all know uh, one of the greatest assets a quarterback can have is a running game, and and the offensive line is a key to that running game being effective. And the Dolphins had so many injuries on the offensive line. I love the addition of Tyron Armstead. He really solidified that left tackle position for the Miami Dolphins. And Connor Williams at center really took over there and didn't just didn't miss a beat. I mean, I don't think he missed a single snap all year long. So. As they solidify that offensive line again this year and then maybe add maybe a more dynamic running back. Yeah, they had a two-headed monster there, but they need that pounder. They need that situation where when they need to 
lengthen the game or shorten the game by handing the running the ball off to the running back, they can chew up clock and not always rely on that quick strike, go 60 yards in, in a play or two. So I think as they mature as an offense, as McDaniel matures as a head coach, I think he'll understand how to put those two pieces together and really deliver that knockout punch that you're talking about. By the way, your offense kind of is that too at times. You, you never oh. had, right? If Danny had... Yeah. That, that power running game, that guy. And I know, God bless Shula, man, you mm -hmm. know, with Overstreet and Sammy Smith. And, you know, over the years, he tried to get that back to compliment uh, Danny, but he it just, it, it just never happened. You just no. never had that opportunity. And to me, that's what a McDaniel, that's what a Shanahan offense is all about. It kind of centers around mm -hmm. that run game. And, you know, again, you play guard. You saw how difficult that left guard spot was for yeah. the Miami Dolphins. So talk to us a little bit from that position, from that perspective. What did you see in the offensive line and why they struggled? Well, I, I think, number one, it was probably the injuries. Uh, you bring Tyron Austin and he's a top tackle, proved it when he was healthy. But he's never been healthy all the time. So without that cohesiveness between those linemen, uh, getting to know each other and understanding how they play, how they see, how they figure out this blitz, it makes it very difficult, particularly in an offense like they have in Miami right now. So I think injuries was probably the number one thing. And then you need guys to step up. Austin Jackson, can he stay healthy? Can he be the kind of player that they expected when they spent a first-round pick on him? Eichenberg, can he stay healthy? Can he stay in that lineup as a second-round pick? They've invested a ton of of capital, both free agent capital and draft capital this offensive line. It is time for it to gel and come together, but you have to stay healthy. You look at the Super Bowl, Kansas City. They lost the Super Bowl a couple of years ago because their offensive line couldn't block. And, and I have a personal connection because their offensive line coach is Andy Heck, who we played together when we were together in Washington. So I know how good a coach he is and how good he coaches that offensive line. But if you're, if you're injured, if your top guys aren't there to play and you can't play together, you can't win at the highest level. Yeah, you can get away with it maybe in the regular season. But when you get to the playoffs and you're playing in the top teams, you have to have your line execute to, execute to their highest. And that's why you saw Philadelphia and Kansas City in that Super Bowl this year. Yeah, I mean, listen, we've watched Robert Hunt turn himself yeah. into a player, dude. Yeah, he's right? a really solid guard for the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, he's turned into a player, and and again, he's also what stayed healthy, yeah. which has allowed him to grow in that position and get better and better. And I thought this past season was his best season to date, you know, overall. And and that's been, you know, Eichenberg has had the setbacks with the injuries. They've moved him around. Which Keith, you got? I mean, you and <laughs> Richmond, you and yeah. Richmond, they plugged your asses in on the left side, and then they never moved you again. Yep. You guys had that luxury. I kind of feel bad for Eichenberg because he's had to move around, and that's got to play with your ass when you've got to, like, habitually do everything on the right yeah. side, habitually everything on the left side. That has got to be one hell of an adjustment. Now, let me ask you something with Eichenberg. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I'm, this might be an unfair question to you. I don't know how much you watched of him, but before he got injured that last time, they felt he was turning the corner. And that's kind of what I heard inside the building. I, I was telling him, man, I don't see it. But they told me they, they could swear that he was turning the corner before he got injured that last time. 
What have you seen from Meikenberg? Is there anything there that gives you hope? Well, let, let me explain from a personal perspective. When you have a great left tackle next to you, it makes it easier to be a really good left guard. You can work together. And I think that's what they were trying to figure out with Tyron Armstrong when he brought him in and then put Eichenberg in and let those two guys gel on the left side. Now, it's not the blind side of the quarterback since two is a left-handed quarterback, but it's still a very important. They still have typically the best defensive ends will be on that side. So I think it's time for him to come and step up and be consistent. But again, when you're injured, I don't care who you are. You cannot be at your best. And that really is going to limit his ability to really consistently produce for this team. I think they, that's what their struggle is right now. They have a, a bunch of guys who they can find the best five. But can that five stay together and be healthy? You mentioned when they drafted Richmond and I. Yeah, they put us on the left side, and that was it. I didn't play any other position except for extra snaps on scout team and as an emergency situation, then left guard. And that allowed us to develop that cohesiveness and that communication where all I had to do was say Rich and all I had to, do was, all I had to say is Keith. And we understood what we were seeing and how we were going to handle the situation in front of us. And I think that's what the Miami Dolphin offensive line right now is missing. With all those injuries, with all that interchanging, you've got to put guys in a position, pass or fail and let them succeed because muscle memory on the offensive line is so important. I would have struggled if I had to go from left guard to right guard to center to right tackle. No, I was able to sit there as a, as a rookie and my whole career and play right. left guard. So it was, it was, I didn't have to think about how to handle a situation. My body was so used to it from all those reps at that one spot. And let me tell you something, the other, the bright side to all this, cause I, I you know, let's not make it sound, you do have Teron Armstead. Connor Williams yeah. did a fantastic job of moving yes, over did. to center. And you have Robert Hunt. So you have mm -hmm. three of the five positions solved. And let me tell you something. Brandon Shell was effing money, bro. Because yeah, he came they, in. Found, they, they found him in the middle of the season. And sadly, mm -hmm. because that they would get all these and last year they got another injury with Brandon Show right before the damn playoff mm -hmm. game. And what a shame. Uh, I'd like to see him come back. But that's the other thing, Keith. They are closer than they've been in a while to oh, actually yeah. put together a pretty good line. Absolutely. When you say you've got three or five really solidified and you've got probably four or five candidates who, if any of them step up, you're going to have a really solid offensive line. I think that's a great position for the Miami Dolphins to be in right now. And they're going to need it. In the AFC East, you know, we've seen how great Buffalo is. We see what the Jets are trying to do now to step up there. So the competition in the AFC is is unbelievable. This The Bengals, of course, the Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs. So they've got to get – if they want to compete for that trophy, that Lombardi trophy, they've got to get this five figured out, whether it be bringing another free agent or guys just figuring out a way to stay healthy. And I know some of that's out of your control. People fall on you. You have knee injuries, ankle injuries. There's nothing you can do on that. But you need guys who can be in there for 16, 17, 18, 19 games, whatever it's going to take to get to that Super Bowl. We're talking with Dolphins great Keith Sim. Uh, Keith, so let me ask you something. Where, where do you stand on, uh, on two? Are you a believer? Are you a non-believer? Where, where are you with Tua? 
uh, I love a healthy Tua, and I think that's an easy thing for for most of us to say is is when he's healthy, he he's proven this season that he can be an outstanding franchise quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. The question that we all have is, can he stay healthy? And, and one of the things uh, I know we were chatting the other day, uh, Big O, and I was telling you about I've been in four or five different NFL health studies for brain injuries and concussion. And thank God my tests are fantastic. But I've seen so many guys that I played with in the 90s that are truly struggling mentally. I've got my youngest son is getting ready to start high school football. So as a parent, as a former NFL player, I'm concerned about these repetitive issues for him. It was horrific seeing him on, on the Cincinnati game on the sideline being carted off. And I, I applaud the way he bounced back. And I know his desire is to play. As a Miami Dolphin organization, the question I have for them is quarterbacks are now getting 200 plus million dollar contracts when you're a franchise quarterback. Can you put that kind of money out there, guaranteed money out there for a guy you're not quite sure can stay healthy? If he stays healthy, he's easily, easily a top 10, if not arguably a top seven, five quarterback in the NFL. Question is, can he stay healthy? To this point in his career, he has not been able to do that. And I think this year you kind of, you run with Tua, you let it run it back and see what happens. If he stays healthy, pay the man because he's going to be your guy. But if not, I don't know. I'm tired of the Dolphin organization searching for that quarterback. So I was a guy who wanted them to draft Tua. I was happy when they drafted Tua because I loved what he did in college. But in the back of my mind, I always had a question of health. And as the offensive line gets better, maybe you can say, hey, he won't take those hits. But you and I talked. Does he know how to fall when he gets hit? Is he going to get that freak injury like he got in Alabama? I don't know. I'm glad I'm not the one whose livelihood is on the line making that decision, particularly this year, because there's other quarterbacks that may be available at the right price. And I, I don't know if you pull the trigger on a Lamar Jackson or Aaron Rodgers or whatever might be out there because you've got Tua in the building. You love everything about this kid. He's everything you want in a quarterback. The only issue is health. And Shula used to say, you can't make the club if you're in the tub. Right, yeah. No, that's that's always been the saying. Now, let me ask you, when you look at his situation, one of the things that I've pointed out, his hip injury, yep. his two concussions this year, mm-hmm. the um the two uh, the 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 two ankle injuries. They yep. all happen between 3.81 and 5.1 okay. seconds. The last one against the Packers happened at the 4.81 second mark. And yep. My argument is, if you think about it, all his major injuries have come from holding on to the ball too long. Mm-hmm. And you you played with a guy, I don't know, I think his <laughs> name was Dan Marino or something. Uh, yeah. Uh, Dan Marino was going to either make a decision or get rid of the goddamn football. Mm-hmm. He wasn't going to hang around back there scrambling for 10 seconds. Were there moments that Danny slid one way or another or rolled out quickly to fight? Of course, because he saw it was open field or whatever, and he can buy himself that extra half a second or whatever. But one of the things he never did was hold on to the ball. And one of the things that I, I think one of the, one of the things that is a, a knock on Tua is mm-hmm. this warrior-like mentality yeah. that he wants to keep the play alive. And my brother, if you're built like Josh Allen <laughs> – you can do those yeah. kind of things. You know, the mm-hmm. first year, Joe Burrow took a beating behind a bad line. Yeah. How did it end up? With a blown-out knee. Uh, Remember yeah. that? 
Mm-hmm. And so for, for me, what I think Tua needs to do is live the life that Brady, that Peyton Manning, that Dan Marino, that Drew Brees, you know, I can go on and on and talk about those kind of guys. They didn't scramble around like Pat Mahomes. They mm-hmm. didn't do things. Nobody can do what Lamar does running around. Yeah. But they, 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 they're not going to be Cam Newton. They're not going to be Josh Allen. These kind of quarterbacks, those traditional pocket passers, they made a decision quickly and moved on because mm-hmm. they live for the next play. And to yeah. me, if I'm documenting all your major injuries are, dude, way after three seconds, you're going into four and five seconds. To me, that's the key. You don't have the athleticism, dude. You're not the guy that's going to run around like Russell Wilson or Pat Mahomes. So play like Marino. Play like uh, uh, Peyton Manning and Brady. These guys are statues. They they move slightly faster than their Hall of Fame busts. You and I know this. Absolutely. Play like that, dude. Make a quick decision and live for the next play. Danny was more than willing mm-hmm. to throw it out of bounds, bro. Oh, yeah. And, and I agree with you, but you have to remember that the NFL defenses have caught up with it. At the beginning of the season, it was those quick balls out at 0.2 seconds or two seconds. It was out. Quick slants. Guys were taking it to the house. Well, now corners are coming up. They're taking away those easy throws, and they're making to a hold on to the ball longer if you want to not just dump it off to your back in the flat. So it's it's a combination. You've got to move the offense, but you have to protect yourself. And the minute he shifts from being aggressive to being protective, I think the defense has won. Because if you make offenses go 10, 12, 14 plays, the odds are against you scoring a lot of points. It's those quick strike offenses that scare the heck out of defenses. And I think it's it's a balance that he has, he has to learn to protect himself within the scope of the offense. But that brings us back to that running game. That we and and one, more, one more element. Let's add yeah. the tight end. Because oh. clearly our head coach had, yeah. you know, this hard on that he mm-hmm. didn't want to play Gesicki. And that Gesicki doesn't fit his two-way. Mm-hmm. And I get it. You want to sell to the defense that this guy could be Mm -hmm. staying a block or he could catch. You don't Mm -hmm. know. But if you play Gesicki, you know he's not blocking. He's Mm -hmm. I get the whole premise of it. It still bothers me because the guy you played for figured out a role for everybody. He didn't if you were Jim Jensen, he found Mm -hmm. the way to play you. He didn't care. You know what I mean? And so that's one of the things that I loved about Shula that. He had that greasy kick uh, Morris um, um, uh, (laughs) that you didn't have to pass a lot. Then he had Woodstrock and then he had Marino. So he adjusted to all kinds of players and all kinds. And that's one knock that I had on McDaniel last year. Like, I get it, dude. He doesn't fit exactly Mm -hmm. what you do. But, dude, he's a hell of a pass catcher. Get his ass on the field. Notice how the last month of the season they started to play him a little bit more, and all he Mm -hmm. did was make plays for you. And so a running game and Mm -hmm. an impactful tight end that you can't cover like they have in San Francisco and those kind of offenses, like Shanahan had in Denver, you know, like that. I think that's the other element they're missing. He's really missing his his two-way tight end that's dynamic Mm -hmm missing that running game that's impactful 
totally agree with you. And they're not that far away. This I know this draft is loaded with tight ends. And like you said, for whatever reason, Gasecki didn't fit the model they were looking for. And they just they struggled to figure out a way to get production out of a guy you placed a franchise tag on last year at the tight end position. So if they solve that and, and you start dreaming about what this offense could look like with Waddle and Hill and you put a dynamic tight, I'll say a George Kittle type tight end that can block and catch. And then you step up your running back just a little bit. Your offensive line stays healthy. It is going to be a tough offense to really handle for the NFL moving forward. But at the same time, you say to yourself, hey, McDaniel was a first-time head coach, and you expect certain struggles. We talked about time management. Now we talked about non-utilization of the tight end position. I think that will get fixed. I'm sure those are priorities for this offense to fix moving forward for next offseason. So to me, if everybody can stay healthy, quarterback on down, and you add one or two pieces – this team could can make some noise next year. Yeah, man. I, I'm telling you, those elements were missing from this offense, and and that was uh, that was really a, a, a shame. But again, this is his first year. Yeah. Who the hell takes over a first year and has every element, you know, in their offense? What San Francisco has, they've been building that for several, yes. and they've done an exceptional oh. job building it. Let's not, but but yeah. they have built it, and it's taken them several years to get to this point. Uh, but you do look at at Tua as an elite passer. I'm not saying he's an yeah. elite quarterback, but he is an elite passer, right? That you see yeah. that the accuracy, ball placement, anticipation, all those kind of things. The the only question I would have on him, and he kind of answered that this year, is his arm strength for down the field and wide side of the field. But accuracy and timing and anticipation, he is one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL with that. And I think the system works well to his strengths. And you could see him and McDaniel, how they were on the same page throughout the year. And I think that that's a huge positive for two. That's why it's, it's a struggle. I think it'd be a mistake for the Dolphins to just give up on Tua, but, yeah. but at the same time, w- without a solid replacement, I mean, if, if you told me, hey, we could we could get Lamar Jackson over him, I say, okay, I understand that. If you say, hey, I can get Aaron Rodgers you, you, over you're him, a Lamar, you're a Lamar. I don't believe he's the passer, bro. Well, he's not. He's not the same passer as Tua, but he brings a uh, a dynamic aspect to the running game from the quarterback position that you see what that can do. You see what Josh Allen, his ability to run the football. You see what yeah, Patrick he misses, Mahomes. He misses more games than two of the last two years. Mm, very true, but his bills are, are ahead of us right now. So, I mean, I love Tua. I love his positives, but but those negatives are also a little bright as well. And uh, number one is the health. If, if he suffers another concussion or two, hey, if I oh, was I know, I know like, you know what, you need to retire. Yeah. And that, that's the difference. He's had some devastating injuries that you sit there and say, ooh, how long can he hold? He's a, he's a small body as it is. How long can he hold up? And unless you have the 49ers offensive line or the Eagles offensive line in front of you, which we don't have yet, maybe we can get to that in the future, but we don't have that yet. And with Tyron Armstrong's history of never finishing a season, you're going to have some lapses in that offensive line. So I, it's a tough one. I don't have a solid answer. I think I'd be okay with Miami keeping to a and riding him out this year, I think that's the number one plan. And then see yeah, what else is out there. You, you, you have to be open. You know, one of the things that I find well, the way the way I've been open is is if Hendon Hooker's available to you in the second round. Okay, that's the way I've been open uh-huh. because yeah, I'm not here to get Aaron Rodgers and and deal with his ass no. for a year or two and then you're done. I'm not doing that. I, I think two is better than Derek Carr, anyways. 
I think two is better than every other option you have out there. So I don't really care about what options are out there. Mm -hmm. I just, I think he needs to learn how to play the game the right way. He has to understand who he is Mm -hmm. and who he not. And that way, once he knows who he is, then he will excel because Drew Brees had to do the same thing. Small guy. You can't go holding on to the ball and taking a whole bunch of shots. And think about this. I pointed out all his major injuries are from holding on to the ball too long. Okay, if he doesn't hold on to the ball too long, he has survived the regular hits that a quarterback has survived. So, dude, stay playing the way it normally plays the game, and you will be fine. Everything else, if you start thinking you're Pat Mahomes or you're Russell Wilson, that you can start <laughs> running around back there. No, dude, you're not Fran Tarkenton. Mm-hmm. You're not. You're not Roger Staubach. If if you want me to hit you for this generation or past generations, I can do it all for you. I've seen mm-hmm. the scrambler. He's not the scrambler. That's all. It's pretty simple. You you've seen but, the scrambler. We've seen the oh, scrambler. Yeah. He's not the scrambler. Neither was Marino. Neither was Brady. Neither was Peyton Manning. Neither was Drew. A lot of great quarterbacks weren't scramblers. No, that's Make true. But you also decision. have to keep in mind that you're you're kind of playing into the defense's hands when yes. you say don't hold the ball because now we press those those receivers and we take away that quick little strike and make you dump it off and. You know, then your weapons on the outside are going to get frustrated because they're not getting the opportunities to showcase their abilities as well. So, playing so with then you yourself. Got, so then you got Clayton and Duper in the huddle complaining, is what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. And Tyreek Hill, who's an All Pro wide receiver, fastest guy in the NFL. Hey, he wants to be turned loose. And if you're not feeding the rock to him, then it, it could cause chemistry problems. So it's it's a tough mix and a tough balance. But hey, to me, that's a good problem. You have so much talent, you just want to keep everybody healthy and then let them do what they do. All right, uh, so let me ask you something. Uh, your buddy got into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, a guy named Zach Thomas. I don't know if yes. you know him. You might, you might have <laughs> him or something. So uh, yes. let me ask you, so give us uh, your best Zach story. Oh, my internet's breaking up. Can you still hear me okay, right? I hear, I hear you. Give me, okay, give me your best Zach um, story. You know, Zach and I were teammates for about three years in Miami, and, and I'm sure lots of people have come on and talked about you know, Zach was a pro from the very beginning, his work ethic and those kind of things. But I had the pleasure of not only being Zach's teammate, but facing Zach when I was part of the Washington Redskins football team in a very pivotal game. I think it was 1999. It was the last game of the season. Uh, for us, we had to win the game to secure the NFC East. Uh, Dolphins had to win that game to get in the playoffs. Marino versus Brad Johnson. To look back on that defensive the players on the field i think it was five or six hall of fame players on the field we weren't worried about marino we were worried about that defense i mean we had daryl green at a corner we had champ bailey at the other corner so we were going to lock down the dolphin offense but that tuesday i got called into redskin park so i show up i'm like what the heck's going on what could they want i go into the offensive line room it's russ grim norv turner and a couple other coaches, and they're like, sit down. We need to talk to you. I said, okay, what's up? They're like, well, we need to know how to, how to attack this defense. We need to know how do we stop, not Jason Taylor, but they were worried about Zach Thomas. Nobody did a good job of getting a lineman in Zach. Zach wasn't the biggest guy in the world, but he was so smart. 
and so quick, and he studied so well, he knew where the play was going before the snap. We, at the time, we ended up that season the second-rate offense in the NFL to the Rams, and we had the top running back in the league. We had Brad Johnson at quarterback. We were pulling left and right, but we were so worried about Zach Thomas. And all I could tell him was if we could get a lineman in his face to run with him, then we have an opportunity to slow him down. But if you're going to try to combo block up there, he will see past that. They had Daryl Gardner and Tim Bowens at defensive tackles. We were never going to lay a hand on him, and Zach was going to have 20 tackles, and we weren't going to be able to run the football. So we devised a scheme. We challenged myself and Trey Johnson, who was the other Pro Bowl guard at that time. We had to go one-on-one with those defensive tackles, and we tried to sneak the center through just to run and get through on Zach. And we did win the game. I think it was 21-10. We rushed for 100-something yards. But it was a dogfight. But that was the first time in my career I've ever sat in a team, in a meeting with coaches and they were worried about a middle linebacker. Not Ray Lewis, who we played that year and beat. Not Junior Seau. It was Zach Thomas. That's the level of respect that he had in the league. And that's the level he played at. So it was fun to get a chance to play him and Jason and Tim Bowens and those guys. We, we hugged and we shook hands before the game. But it was a dogfight battle that we won, but it was, it was a lot of fun. I got an opportunity to, to block him a few times that game. And I'll tell you, it, it was very tough to get on Zach. He was a outstanding player, hall of fame player, long overdue. His numbers yes. say the words. And he was a great guy. Zach was a great teammate. He was a, he's been a great dolphin. He's been a great ambassador for the game. And I'm very, very happy that he's going to get an opportunity to, to get that bus and finally find his place in Canton, Ohio. That's why Zach always had a lot of respect for Kevin Mawai, I guess. Yeah, yep. Kevin was one of those few centers that could slip up there. Jets did exactly what we did and tried to man up those defense tackles, which was tough. Tim Bones and Daryl Gardner are very difficult to block one-on-one. But if you can do that, and in Washington, we were running team. So we could get those defensive tackles handled and let that, our Corey Raymer, our center, slip up because he was a smaller guy too. He could run, then he could take the angle and kind of shield Zach. Well, Zach still had, I think, six solo tackles that game. Not as usual 12 or 15, but we, we were able to control that game. But it took the entire offensive game plan to worry about where number 54 was. By the way, uh, let me just give Brad Johnson a little love. <laughs> yeah, because he, he gets dissed yes, like he he's does. just a jag of a quarterback. Mm-hmm. And he was actually a solid player, dude. I, I don't think yes, he, he gets credit. He was a good quarterback, dude. He put up some good years in Washington and in Minnesota. He put up some yep. numbers, man. And, you know, he kind of gets, you know, thrown to the, to the side like he's just a, a guy, you know, like because they won in Tampa. And, yeah. and like, oh, yeah, you know, he's uh, – no, dude, Brad Johnson was a pretty good player, bro. It, it just yeah. – Sometimes he, he doesn't get really enough love, you know. But no. he was, and he was a great guy. He was a yeah. great guy. I don't know. And he really, took, he really took care of his offensive line, I will tell you that much. He really treated us really well. Yeah. Well, just in case, Brad, you're watching, bro, respect <laughs> yeah. you, bro. You don't get yeah, enough man. love for being a good player in this damn league. So let me ask you something. Mm-hmm. Zach gets what he deserves finally to get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So let me ask you. I hope I hope I know where you're going with this. How about Richmond Webb, Keith Sims, and the March brother? Okay. Like, like first of all, F, bro, like what the F? I I don't understand. First of all, I, I can honestly tell you, 
I am not a Hall of Fame player, okay? I am not. I got injured later in my career. Three Pro Bowls is not enough. Richmond Webb absolutely should be in the Hall of Fame. We tweeted, Higgy and I talk about it all the time. I don't know why the Miami Dolphin organization has not promoted it. If you, if you were getting Zach in, great. You accomplished that. Now it's time to get Richmond Webb in. He is definitely one of the all-time great left tackles, offensive linemen to play this game. And since Tony Baselli went in last year, there is no excuse for Richmond Webb not Longer to be career than in Baselli. the NFL Hall of Fame. Absolutely, Longer and career. better career. And I understand yeah. people get hurt. That's life. But Richmond, from the from the day we stepped on the field, he was one of the top three tackles in the AFC. Made the Pro Bowls. Rookie, I think, was seven straight Pro Bowls. Played 13, 12, 13 years. He definitely deserves to be in. Had the pleasure of playing with Duke and, and, and Clayton as well. Uh, to me, they're Hall of Fame receivers as well. They 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 changed the league. Whenever you have players that come in and change the league for a decade, they deserve that recognition. So I think those three guys, Richmond number one, needs Jeez. to be in the Hall of Fame. But again, I am not a Hall of I, so, I believe- so is Richmond is Richmond too humble, too nice. And not in the media spotlight, not doing any <laughs> broadcasting, not on the national yeah. stage and all Because as you know, if yeah. you get into that media spotlight, then all of a sudden you become a more of a darling. And then you become, you know, you're more of a household yeah. name. You're there. You, you, you grow in other ways outside of the field. And then all of a sudden you find yourself, you know, being more accepted into all of this. You know your, you know your teammate. There yeah. has never been a more low-key, humble yeah. human being than Richmond Webb. Yeah, Richmond used to get me in trouble all the time. He would complain in my ear because our lockers were next to each other. And I would say it publicly. So I would get called up to Shula's office when it was really his idea. But you're absolutely right. He is so humble. Uh, he, I know he wants the honor, absolutely. And I, I know he believes he deserves the honor but he's waiting for them to come to him. He's not going to stand up and politic for itself. It's up to us. Higgy and I talk about it. When Armando Salguero tweeted out, I think he tweeted out, he finally got um, Zach in the Hall of Fame, his presentation. I immediately tweeted him, you're not done. Now it's time to get Richmond Webb in the Hall of Fame, and he agreed. So I think it's time for the local press to get behind it and recognize the incredible Hall of Fame career he had and get him from the semifinalist list to the finals list, and hopefully at that point they can fight in that room and, and recognize the incredible career that Richmond had. Are, are we penalizing the Marx Brothers because of a little slip up that they had <laughs> off the field early in their in their in their post career? That it wasn't like anything that became habitual. No, they they made their mistake. They're human beings. They moved on, but their numbers are better yeah. than a bunch of Hall of Famers, and they're not they're. And their numbers are elite numbers, bro. Yeah. I mean, it's like it's ridiculous that they're not even mentioned. Right. They're not it, even it's talked a, about. It's amazing to me. And I know with the game how much it's changed where you can't touch offensive players on the line of scrimmage or releasing pass interference. And I can only imagine the numbers that that combination, that trio of Marino, Duper, and Clayton would put up in today's game. And I think that's what penalizes them in a way is their numbers are good, but you see now you got a 17 game season and you got people 
catching a hundred plus catches is is a norm now. But they were putting up these great numbers, and again, they changed the game, the way the game was run in '84. And I think that needs to be recognized. And I, I hope before it's too late that those three guys do get their their rightful due in Canton. By the way, I say this, and I say this with all confidence in the world, because mm-hmm. uh, I watched the entire era, obviously. When Mark Clayton was at his best, mm-hmm. only Jerry Rice was better. To me, he that. was the second-best receiver in the NFL at that mm-hmm. time. You agree or disagree yeah. on that? Hey, Jerry Rust is uh, – or Jerry Rice was probably the best football player ever. Period. 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 For what he did 20 years, yeah, unbelievable. Um, knowing Mark and having been teammates with Mark and uh, Clayton – and dupe it. Uh, I have so much. I, I, I'm I'm biased in a way because I want to see my guys get in there. So I'd have to look at the numbers, but they were special. You know, when I was in college, getting a chance to watch those guys do what they do, it was it was amazing to see no, what and they Clay did. And, was and then freak athlete, like yeah. a freak athlete. Yeah. Okay. Like Duper had great speed and hands yeah. and all that, and good route runner. But Clayton mm-hmm. was a special, yeah. special athlete. He had body control in the air. Yes, he did. Mm-hmm. grip hands. I, I, mm-hmm. I mean, dude. Great combination. Awesome. It's just, uh, uh, you know, I look back on it and said that I think all three of these guys, or uh, I'm going to throw up what Marino's already in Hall of Fame. All three of these guys would get more recognition if we had won a Super Bowl. And I yes. think that holds, or even gone to a Super Bowl, you know, I think that they hold that against players too much. Well, you weren't a champion. Well, it takes 53 guys right. to be a champion. It doesn't right. take one or 11. It takes an entire team. And, and it's a shame. I wish Marino had, we'd gotten Marino a ring or an opportunity to get back to, to get that ring, but uh, we weren't able to accomplish it. But that it's never diminished what he did. The two of crap now, right? Oh, well, yeah. what? Does he need a perfect team? I go, man, every quarterback needs help. Why do you yeah. think Marino didn't win? Because he didn't have a running mm-hmm. game and a defense, dude. Yeah. That's yeah, why. He had, if he had a big yeah. ass back and a defense. They would have won a couple of Super Bowls. That's the thing. Every yeah. quarterback, Pat Mahomes, you ne- you said it a couple years oh, ago. Yeah. He Super Bowl and he gets his ass kicked. Why? Because mm-hmm. he was on his back the entire time. You didn't give yeah. him a line. You're not going to get a. You're not going to get a Super Bowl. That's yeah. it, it's. You know, it's really the ultimate team game. Some people think this is Danny Manning in Kansas, and you're taking <laughs> all the way to the championship all by yourself. Yeah. And here's Melo, you know, and taking it all yeah. away. Melo didn't get to win an NBA championship. Do you know why? Because one guy can't cover, can't, can't carry you in the NBA. No, they can't. No, they can't. Not even in the NFL. Definitely not. You you put up Kansas City. Great example. When they got beat, they invested in their offensive line. They they lost Tyreek Hill, and they brought in a bunch of receivers, and they were able to gel a bunch of defensive backs, and they were able to gel. You've got to adjust and change. But at the end of the day, you have to have five or six outstanding core players in order to take it to that next level. Now, that's something that Buffalo struggling with right now. Do they have enough of those core players to take it to that next level? Yeah, and they're going to lose some this year in the offseason. Yeah. So Miami is going to – Miami's going to jump them this year and win that division. All right, Keith, I appreciate you, my brother. Thank you, as always, for taking some time, my man. We'll catch up down the line in the offseason when we get closer to the preseason so we get uh, get a feel for the team, go. my friend. Sounds good. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure to be on. Thank you, my and friend. And let's get – let's, let, let's start – 
the the petition for Richmond Webb in the Hall of Fame. Let's get him on the ballot this year. I agree with you on that one. We you should know. start. That. Thank you, Keith. Appreciate you, you my man. Have a great day. And, and by the way, thank you, Keith.